Why am I disappointed now knowing that you haven't spilled <laughs> coffee? <laughs> uh, it's more just like a, I need more coffee because like I, I had to inhale an entire cup while listening to the blob discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, inhaling coffee while that discussion is going on is probably a very productive use of your time. So all good. More, more productive than my time spent complaining about blobs, that's for sure. Well, you know what won't cause you to complain about blobs is the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and this is episode 34, airing uh, Sunday, September 11th, 2022. I'm blind, and I'm hosting, uh, and I, I'm on my second cup of coffee because it is 6.20 in the morning here in Canada, and um, you've probably heard his voice already, and we're joined by Arch Place Stuff. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing quite well. It's been... One of those days that wasn't productive until like 11.30 p.m. And then I got all the things done because suddenly my focus was found. I mean, sometimes you just have to spend the whole day being awake to find that focus so that you can actually be productive. I um, call those days ending in a way. I mean, <laughs> also, it depends on when you woke up. If you woke up at like 9 p.m., then like also being productive by 11 is actually like really reasonable. Well, I woke up several times today because I had a nap. Okay, fair enough. I'm probably going to do that right after this podcast. Uh, FG Squared is also here. How are you? I'm also here. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. I had. I, I've been mostly having a lazy Saturday, actually. Um, not really doing much other work than recording the podcast today because it's my day off. So I'm taking a day off. Just basically popping into a call, recording some stuff, uploading it to a Google Drive, and. Going back to playing games or whatever. Pretty much. Exactly that, yes. And probably also going to watch some stuff uh, tonight, just like vegging on the on the sofa while watching stuff. Oh, what are you watching at the moment? Uh, ongoing right now, we have the new Lord of the Rings episode to watch uh, nice. from yesterday. And then uh, I just got like... I'm not going to say who they are, but my phone provider here in the UK, they, they, they sometimes come and be like, hey, would you like like three months of Disney Plus on us? And I'm like, yes. And now I will go and binge watch uh, Orville season three uh, as well because I don't have to pay for it, which is great. Nice. Yeah. So that's the plan. And lastly, on the introductions here, I also would like to introduce Meow Stations, who's uh, joining us for this episode of the podcast. So hello. How are you? Hi. Hello. Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I had a little nap earlier, so <laughs> taking me a moment to to wake up, and I'm, I'm I had another coffee. So, yeah, I'm doing a all right. A lot of coffee uh, here on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> I I actually actually just for a moment, I got a special taster of four different kinds of coffee the Ooh. other day, and they're all these different blends, and they came with tasting cards. Let me see if I can find them. I'll be back in a moment. Ooh, I'm interested. Fancy. Now. Yeah, that's fancy that's coffee. Very fancy. Not related to coffee exactly, but I have no hot water, and I'm probably going to have no hot water for the next two and a half weeks. That's insane. How how do they take so long? I saw that on the Discord yesterday. I was going to comment on it. Obviously didn't because distracted, but like, how is that legal to not have you give you hot water for two weeks? So my, my, my building, this sort of happened once before, about five years ago. Um, my building is about 12 years old. And one boiler went about five years ago, and they, we all got a no notice saying, hey, one of the boilers burnt out. Uh, we're going to get it replaced. 
and because we have two, right? Uh, the the main one and the the backup ones that they share the load. Uh, mm -hmm. The and then within five days, the second one went. Um, they replaced them both, and about a week ago, we had no hot water for about twenty four hours, and I was sitting here going, "Oh no!" Uh, and uh, then yesterday, we got a notice saying, "Yeah, they've both gone." Uh, so we're waiting for them to replace them. So now it's just we have to go through the bureaucracy chain of getting both of our boilers replaced. So that's I'm ridiculous. Back on the hipster cold shower train for the next couple of weeks. That's, that means they're going to be on the third boiler in 12 years. What kind of crappy boilers Fourth are they? Fourth boiler, actually, because two of them went and then two of them went. No, 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 I'm counting it like I'm, I'm counting. Sorry, I was counting differently. I was counting like the boilers that this building started with. They already got replaced once, so they're on the second. And now they're getting replaced again on the third for both of them. But yeah, that's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. That is that. Wow. I, I, you, you tell me. I don't know. I'm assuming just really cheap. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced yeah. that buildings like the one that I live in are a scam. Like, they're they're actually just renter buildings that are disguised as strata buildings, and then the, the all, all the people renting, like, don't pay attention to what's going on, and the people managing the units just want the strata fees to be as cheap as possible for their clients who are owning the units. But That's crazy. It's, it's so you're having your coffee cold? No, I, I have a kettle. Oh, okay. My building has no hot water. <laughs> okay. It's not no hot water allowed in the building. Got it. No, there, <laughs> there, it there's no mandates against hot water. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you walk into already... the building, your water just turns cold spontaneously. <laughs> cold. That, that, that's it. <laughs> it's like some Batman <laughs> villains living in the basement sapping all of our heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Freeze. Is it already? That's mm. his name, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is so... it already cold enough to need heating or do you uh, not no, have hot i mean we're we're okay. we're, we're I, I i don't know what the weather's like over in the uk right now but it's like currently it's 20 degree 20 25 degrees during the day mm. i mean like yeah, if you here. shower like midday you can get it kind of lukewarm okay gotcha but it's it's not yeah. it's not that bad yeah okay okay if it was in like so, two months we'd have a problem yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so it's going to be warm here. So cards? I did, I did, and I've been reading them. So it's from a company called Good Fortune, which is like a real local roastery to me. This isn't um, sponsored or anything, I swear. No, not 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 sponsored. <laughs> um, I just I just want to show them out because like I love their sense of style. It's literally like old school comics. Like you've got you know firecracker, organic, fair trade, living wage, caution, explosive, and it's got like the the sparks and everything and then all of these ones but the tasting notes on the back of them are like stare into a cup of hypnotic eyes and you get nothing it is made for drinking and it is drunk by the elite those rare and special souls who appreciate a blend with spice hypnotic eyes is a bastard blend of mexican and peruvian beans paradoxically mild and smooth with a light cinnamon leafy aroma and creamy body suits so all brewing methods and then you know they're like this one, uh, this is the Dr. Warren Sixth Sense blend. Um, basically, it's Peruvian, Colombian, Ethiopian, uh, medium body blend with spicy, clean, bright and fruity uh, flavors. And it's, the other one I got was Ethiopia, uh, what is it? Firecracker, Peru, Guatemala, Ethiopia, Colombia blend. Like this, these beans have been more places than I have. Um <laughs> 
The beans from Peru, Colombia, Ethiopia, and Guatemala combine for a taste once described as an exploding peanut slab. Whether it does, and regardless of if anyone has eaten an exploding chocolate bar, um, it got five stars and you'll give it two. Um, that depends on you liking your coffee sweet, sweet chocolate and toffee-esque with a full creamy body body, and lingering raw, <sighs> lingering raw coca aftertaste. I swear I can talk. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because just we're talking about flavor notes on a thing, I had a beer recently, um, which is uh, by by a Vancouver brewery called Strathcona Brewing, and it's uh, a imperial sour, and it's literally called their it's our five alive sour is the name of it, um, <laughs> and the tasting notes are it tastes like five alive. What do you want from us? <laughs> it, it tastes I, I always... like five alive. It's kind of I used to think I used to think tasting notes on anything were really weird. Like they'd be like, "Oh, it's chocolatey with all of the toffee esque flavor," and you drink it and you'd be like, "There is nothing toffee or chocolate about this." And I watched. Um, if anyone is into coffee and into YouTube, you probably know um, James Hoffman. He is a uh, like world record holding or award winning uh, barista, and he did this video on um, what coffee tasting notes actually mean and oh my god it actually opened up my eyes so much it's like you know if it's they say it's citrusy it's not that it tastes like citrus it's that it it tingles the same way one will and all of this and so yeah i've actually come to learn and appreciate all of the different flavor notes from actually learning that you know instead of being like oh this stuff doesn't taste like chocolate. I better put some <laughs> drinking chocolate in Though there. to be fair, that's also pretty nice to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember deciding that mead wasn't honey tasting enough, so I ended up putting honey into it while Ugh. at somebody else's house in a party. <laughs> How did that taste? But mead is already so sweet. You criminal. Ooh. I, I, yeah. was, I, I was very, very, very um, drunk already, so... <sighs> It was was not the silliest thing I did that night. We'll put it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. On the off party, and you're putting honey into mead. I think I don't think that the honey and the mead is the problem (laughs) at that point. (laughs) (laughs) On the off chance that you're listening, uh, Demo, I'm really sorry about the house lights. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mental note: Maid, never invite Arch to a party at your house with me. No. I, 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 I promise never to get drunk and steal your house lights. Done it once, regret it. Did you return them afterwards? Well, I got caught stealing them, so yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. We let a criminal onto our team uh, blind. You have no idea how many crimes I've committed, so... <laughs> 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 There's a criminal Bl- here. I, I know who it is. Yeah. Blind I sitting see. there going, amateur getting caught. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't walk out with the Xbox? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Sure, surely the lights were just a uh, a diversion, right? <laughs> well, you, you take out the lights so that they can't see you when you commit the actual crimes. Ah. Smart. Right, so smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you never played Hitman? Come on. <laughs> I haven't, actually. Yeah, same. <laughs> but you steal all their clothes and you put on their clothes that they don't recognize you. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's definitely that's, how that works. That's way more 
hitman knowledge than I ever knew. So there's a a really good video that I saw on Reddit a couple weeks ago, and it's just this guy like sprinting away from the police on a bunch of different security cameras, right? And it's two two guys, and they're they're running and they're carrying something, like they just stole something. And one of them takes a left and books it across the road and just kind of like, like runs through traffic and just like disappears off into the distance. The other one takes a right and goes straight into this alleyway and then immediately takes another right and runs into the back of a kitchen in the back of a restaurant and just starts doing dishes. And you just see the police officers just like walk down the alleyway. And then this guy just keeps doing dishes, keeps doing dishes, keeps doing dishes. Police officers walk back in the other direction, just keeps doing dishes. And then he just stops doing dishes and then walks out through the front of the restaurant. It's like the wow. most real life hitman thing I've ever seen. It's like, that's, yes, that's how you get away. I can't believe that works. I mean, I'm assuming he got <laughs> caught because he was on all of the security cameras, right? But Yeah, no, no. They just watched him afterwards and went, yeah. this guy's good. He deserves to go free. And I think we I should mean, it show depends. people. It, I guess it depends on whether or not you can see the face clearly enough, I'd say. Yeah, the cop just walked by and sort of... <laughs> Okay, that 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 kitchen's getting some free dish hand work, and um, once he comes out the other end, I'll just arrest him. I think he's already <laughs> doing his volunteer service. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Skip sentencing and everything. Straight, straight to the hard labor. Yeah, you just get a job. That's that's your prize. You commit a crime. <laughs> We've got like twelve podcast titles, and we haven't even started yet. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. This, this is, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for what? I mean, I literally for tweeted, everything. I literally tweeted earlier today. It's like, you know, sometimes I'm super envious of people who can think before they speak. Cause I was having this conversation um, with someone and I'm like, I just, you know, someone, I was talking about someone else and I was like, they always seem to like carefully consider their words and like, you know, they won't speak on something unless there's a, a moral high ground or something to take and all this. And, and my friend was like, yeah, that's, that's normally what people do. They don't normally just run their mouth like you do. <laughs> oh, that's what mental illness is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just been like, oh man, like just another thing, like. And that's uh, uh, why uh, we're uh, podcasters. That's why we literally made that our job, talking for hours on end. Yeah. And to turn yeah. your weaknesses into strengths. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Oh, oh, all right. So I, I think we're going to go take a real quick break. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this week. Back after this. Hi, Pelanar here. Thanks uh, for listening to our podcast again. I'm not uh, on the episode uh, this week, uh, but I'll be again uh, later uh, some of the other weeks. Uh, uh, but if you want to see and hear more of me, you can find me on uh, Twitch.tv slash Belanar, where I do all my gaming content, uh, also on YouTube.com uh, slash TV for all the reviews and everything. And also I've been doing a lot of miniature stuff lately, all kinds of Warhammer and painting and modeling and so on, uh, and you can find those uh, on uh, Rikus Minis uh, on YouTube, uh, and same also on the Instagram if you're interested. But anyways, back to the episode, and enjoy listening for the rest of it. And we're back with episode 34 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. We're here to talk about games a little bit. The games that we've been playing over the last couple of weeks. And Arch, I know that you can talk about Stardew forever, and I know that Meow Stations is in a similar boat. So, Arch, talk to me about Stardew Valley. Uh, what I want to know is, Meow, yes. what's your favorite farm type? Um, so I play with mods, <laughs> first of all. 
Yep. Uh, yep. And uh, of course, I play with Stardew Valley Expanded. So I always start Naturally. with, well, up until now, every playthrough has been with Grandpa's Farm. Um, but now I started with the, the super massive one. <gasps> the immersive farm. That is really good. Yeah. And that, now that that low ball's been tossed to you, here's the real question. Who do you marry? Ooh, okay. Um, this 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 can really split people. Like you know, <laughs> just just marriage uh, can split people. I think that's the opposite intention. <laughs> um, please don't tell me that it's a Haley for you, but for me, oh, I, have, I have I <laughs> have start sweating. I have uh, uh, the whole you know I can fix him problem. So obviously it's gonna have to be Shane. The thing is like every play- yes. <laughs> yeah every playthrough <laughs> I've had I've been so indecisive that I've never really married anyone. And I have like God, it's just like real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have like a hundred three no a thousand three hundred hours in Stardew and so many different playthroughs. Still haven't married anyone. But yeah, I, I usually romance Shane. However, um, I downloaded, um, I think last year at some point, the mod Always Raining in the Valley, which has Sterling, which is like Shane, but like even spicier. And yeah, yeah, he's going to be my go-to. I have not heard of this mod and I need to, I need to look it up. It's amazing. But I also... I also want to comment on um, Shane and wanting to fix him because they did him dirty because I absolutely understand people wanting to fix him. But when you get married and he gets his little room in your house, it's just trashed with alcohol again. It's yep. like, I thought I fixed him, you know, and you, you think you fix someone, but then they go and revert back to their old ways. I mean, I thought we play games to escape reality. As a broken human being, you can't fix broken. <laughs> yeah. At least Just not from to the outside. Too real, too not real. From the outside. Also, but, Stardew but, but, Valley has a lot of characters that are actually like if you if you look at it like if you look from the outside, Stardew looks like this really happy, wholesome, cute pixel art thing, but there there is some heavy stuff going on, like even just in, you know, base game without any mods or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I Shane I was... Pam. It's it's like that that indie game trope of oh look it's happy go lucky pixel art uh, just like laced with depression. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it's more laced with a lot of realism and a lot of lot of mm. flaws in it too. Like I was I was having this issue, well not having this issue, having this thought train. Um, you know, thoughts are an issue for me in general. So, I was you know, literally going to say I'm... that. <laughs> <laughs> you barely know me, and you're already at... wow. I meant more for myself, you... but yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, I was, I was going to say, you know, FG and blind are really, really, really just influencing you right now. You know, you've been with, you've been in this call for how long and you already know me too well. Um, every, there's like no real good characters in Stardew Valley. Like, um, Kent, he's got PTSD and a lot of that. The good thing about that is, you know, he talks about that at least, Mm -hmm. um, but uh Demetritus tries to ward you off uh dating Mara because you know she's too good for you you better not hold her back uh Clint has major nice guy vibes mm-hmm. um George is just crabby um who are the other male role models I think Pierre is just Pierre and I'm sorry oh, if, he's a bit of a if jerk. you like Pierre you're wrong. a bit 
He is. I wanted to ease into it. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> wanted yeah. to, to gauge the vibe first but yeah i'll just test the <laughs> test the waters by saying he's a bit of a jerk and see what comes of it no um so there is that and then i was going through and pretty much no one or at least from the males are good role models the only one that's close is gus who is kind yeah. and friendly in that but he's also majorly enabling pam Mm. Um, by letting her go into massive debt and, you know, not following up on that and stuff. So, yeah, it is this mix of everything's nice and peaceful, but it also is this, not this, like, idyllic paradise. Um, I mean, what the I was wizard? gonna say, <laughs> no, nah, even he's just weird. Yeah. No, the wizard, the wizard always comes across as like, as he feels it, as if he feels like he's like, superior over everybody i don't know i don't like his attitude mm -hmm. that much I, I don't know he can cast mm. magic like yeah so but you're implying still... he's superior he is superior the problem is is that he knows it you know <laughs> the problem with like, me is that I, could I, turn... yeah sorry go on no you go i i forget which part of the characters is vanilla stardew and which part has been added by mods so like <laughs> if we're if we're talking about the wizard like i know a different side of him as well because of other mods and so now i'm just like oh, yeah i don't know yeah when he turns into the blob prince it's it's he's a much nicer guy um <laughs> um back to who we marry i i am a sucker for colored hair so it's always abigail or emily um, though I did, I played, uh, last time I played, I've got the, uh, Ridgeside, Ridgeside Village mod, which is basically like, it's, it, it's, oh, so many new, like 20 new NPCs with events and all of this. Like, it, it's almost like a dating sim level of additional visual novel, more so. But I married Floor from that. And the funniest thing about Floor is basically she is that I can fix him for everyone. Like she's a behavioral therapist. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everyone she talks to and talks about is like how she can fix them. She fell in love with me really easy. And I don't know if that was like part of the game or just me being me. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, that's one thing I really love about Stardew, just how much mods can really change it, really throw it around. Um, you know, I've been watching a fair few um, streamers do various runs and such. Um, one person who I always watch and, you know, um, also has appeared on my stream as well was uh, Mal Blue Eyes, and she does challenge runs. And like absolutely ridiculous. Um, you may remember that I did a challenge run with her when I was raising money for charity the other month where it was, we were running or preparing to open a bed and breakfast. So you had to like have a hundred large milk, a hundred large eggs. You had to have, you know, uh, all this flour, butter, sugar, you know, <laughs> all of this. And uh, she's done other challenge runs. Like, you know, she can only make money from, uh, fishing or she can only make money from mining and all of this and just that level of challenge runs and and the art the way mods themselves can just throw things around and really really change it it's it's one of those games that it's great in and of itself 
but mods just take it to a whole new level. Yeah, agreed. And yeah, and the way that the modding community has sort of embraced the game has been really great too. Mm. I have to I have to interject and I have to ask a question to both of you because I don't think we've talked about that. Tell me about your feeling about Stardew Valley fishing. Go. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you want to? Do you like fishing in it or not? I don't hate it. Right. I I think that at the easy level, it's quite good. It gets too difficult. Right. Um, I've actually, you know, mucked around with a mod that's fishing made easier. It doesn't skip the game. It just reduces the difficulty, reduces the jumpiness, and it, it feels good at about 50%. Um, it conversely reduces the experience gain, so it's almost, you know, like that. But, yeah, I know there's people that do and don't like it. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, the thing is, like, the, the, the minigame itself... I enjoy like I I think it's a it's a fun way of like catching fish. The problem with me is leveling up the fishing that takes too long in my opinion. But I have like various mods that kind of mess around with that. I have um Walk of Life that uh messes around with like professions and stuff so you can you can make it so that certain uh skills level up faster than others so i can like mess around with that um but yeah the fishing is okay actually i haven't downloaded fishing made easier so i don't know if that would help as well what's this walk of life tell me more um so basically it reimagines uh all the different professions and i keep forgetting how many are in vanilla game is it four five like there's mining uh fishing farming combat and foraging yeah yeah and it kind of reimagines the those professions and um also at like level five of each and level 10 you get to pick like one of the two things right you get to choose mm. one or the other and uh with this one you those are like completely different well not completely different, but like vastly improved. And you also have the ability to prestige. So you kind of, yeah, you know what prestiging is like you, you go to like a little statue and then you say, oh yeah, put me back down to level zero. And then that way you can also get the other professions, like the other choices mm. and that I love. Like when, as soon as something is made so that I don't miss out, uh, I have a bit of a completionist issue. Um, yeah, then I can choose all of them. I cool. That actually sounds I'm, really, really cool. I like that a lot, yeah. I'm wondering how I didn't know about all of these mods again, like mods, and I'm really worried that it's going to, like, spur another playthrough on top of the one I'm already planning. <laughs> oh, you have I, to. I know how you didn't know about all these mods is because of the conversation you were having earlier of just, like, oh, prep? Uh, now stream <laughs> and then you're already streaming and then someone mentions a mod and then you're like but streaming there, so there, there mod are, later, and then forget there are a few circumstances where i do actually prep mods for games and stardew valley is one of them but there there is another important question meow that i need to ask you mm -hmm. 
Joja or Pierre's? Um, like community center or Joja? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. The the thing is, I go for the community center just because it feels like there's more to do, and there's more. Um, yeah, like there's more content when you go for that. For Joja, it just feels like, oh, you just throw money at the problem and like buy the bundles and then you're kind of done, I guess. But there are some mods. <laughs> I hate to go back to this every time. There are some mods that make the Joja playthrough a bit more um, exciting, I guess. But I haven't, I haven't tried them yet. I also I feel- have a question. Because you said you're a completionist. Have you 100%ed the achievements? Have I what? 100%ed the achievements, the Steam achievements. No. Or Stardew Valley. Because <laughs> my problem is I keep finding new mods and I'm like, ah, oh, I need to, to start a new playthrough with this because then you get the, uh, like your your item IDs get shuffled if you use anything with like um, JSON mm. assets. So I just start a new playthrough or like there's there's... If you install something like Rich Side, then you're like, oh, okay, I want all my characters to start at the same level of heart. So you restart and you play through. So mm, I haven't I yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually been uh, debating, or not debating, but planning a perfection farm to do on stream. And it's something that I keep sitting at. And this is where it's like, do I do it with mods? Do I do it vanilla? Because the problem is, is by adding mods, uh, it adds more items and thus the ship every item, ship 15 of each crop, ship every, catch every fish, craft every item is all connected to the same thing. (laughs) So I'm like, "Mm, I don't, I don't know. Like perfection finishing a farm perfection style would give you all of those things correct all the achievements you, you mean yeah yeah no because there is one um because you, uh, you have to do at least two pl- partial playthroughs because uh one there are achievements for the community center and then there is an achievement to do jojo mart well and see that's it that i've already completed thing. the community center so for me my perfection run would be via Jojo Mart, and I don't mm. know how I feel about that either. I know, right? Like, Simulating it forces capitalism. you to do it for the achievement, but then it's like, I don't want to be evil. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, I, I can't remember if this is still in the vanilla game, but basically the way you could get both achievements is you... Uh, you had your save file and then uh, the last bundle that you completed, depending on whether it was Joja or Pierre or like the community center, was basically the achievement that you got. So you could, in theory, complete like the Joja one and then uh, go back to your save file, go like a day before and then continue with your regular community center Mm. Yeah, because yeah. the second you get Jojo, you could literally purchase everything, whereas the community center would take a lot longer. You're right there. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I think you can still do that. I'm not 100% sure. It's really funny because like this whole thing with mods and not mods, I, I, 
I've talked at length with a friend of mine uh, about Stardew Valley and she's on, uh, she's playing on Switch and uh, it, it's so confusing because I'll mention some stuff and she's like, oh, I've, I haven't encountered that. I'm like, did I spoil something or is that coming from a mod that I have? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I've bought Stardew Valley on uh, Xbox, uh, Switch pc i bought the uh special edition from fan gamer i think it was um that came with like all the physical stuff as well basically if there is an opportunity to buy another copy of stardew i will but i've only ever played it on pc because quick concerned i release it on 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 fridge go go the skyrim route <laughs> I'm, starting, I'm starting to think that like stardew might be the next skyrim yeah, because no. it is on mobile too, or like for example, over the yeah. No, it's like Terraria though. That, you that's need to port it to Alexa. It it's, no, it's not like Skyrim because Skyrim is the same game with a few polishes being re-released. Right, all he's doing is basically making it available on more plat, like more uh, yeah, more devices. There, there, there's there's polishes for those devices. Don't undersell it. Actually, no, the, there's a big issue with the mobile one that uh, the 1.5 update is still not out because really? it's another company handling the port of it all. And there's just, there's it's such a big problem that he has openly stated the Haunted Chocolatier will not be coming to uh, Android or well, iOS. I, I can tell you for a fact that uh, Bethesda never updated the Alexa port of Skyrim. So I don't see the difference between this. <laughs> Alexa, ship all my crops. <laughs> Alexa, I eat all of the cheese. <laughs> the thing does work, by the way. <laughs> like, it's kind yeah, of yeah. a weird thing. I, I just like the idea of this is the section of the podcast where we all sit around and try to trigger Everybody's our listeners' Alexa Alexas. devices. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, uh, yeah. Alexa, follow Halcyon Frequency Podcast. <laughs> nice one. Did it work? I don't know. I don't know. You're going to do know in the okay, comments Google. Below. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you increase your search terms you know just be on a podcast and then <laughs> trigger everybody's google devices <laughs> i have gotten some on stream i have gotten some people and made their alexa go off yeah nice alexa yeah. play podcast speaking of podcasts um fg do you want to talk to us about american truck simulator and i'm losing my voice so god don't lose your voice. No, quick, more coffee. I have to find um, it. Do it. Um, to be fair, American Traxim is a bit is a really good game to play while listening to podcasts because it's like chill and whatnot. Um, yeah, this this week's been really quiet in terms of like new releases. There was only like a couple of new releases, and there weren't really like anything that I wanted to play on my channel. So I was like, hmm, what could I go back to? And then I saw one of my mods just was playing like crap tons of american truck sim and i was like yeah i haven't trucked in a while let's go trucking so uh went back to that it's still really fun they just had another map out they just had montana come out um next up is texas eventually sometime i don't know if it's still this year or early next year because texas is so huge but they're they're cracking on as you know um sc software um they're just going for it 
um, releasing map after map, um, still supporting the old stuff. They're going back and like redoing some of the older maps, um, especially in Euro Truck Sim, because that game's 10 years old now, Euro Truck Sim 2. Um, but they've also already reworked, like for example, California, which was like the launch area of American Truck Sim. So it's still really fun. Um, it's just it's just a really good stream game because you're, you're doing stuff, but you don't need to pay that much attention. When you're just doing like stuff driving and... in real life, you just sometimes make a Prius disappear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not drive like I do in American trucks of IRL. <laughs> but no, sure. it's just always yes. I'm very sure. One hundred. Oh, wow, it's um surprisingly cheap. It's on sale at the moment too. I was it just is it? It yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, seven dollars fifty New Zealand. So it's probably like yep. five. They do the Five really deep bucks. sales because they want you to buy the DLCs. Yeah, well, yeah, that's but, it. Yeah. It's like The you. Sims. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no, yeah, it's not... <laughs> Truck Sim is very much like The Sims in that in It's that not kind too of bad, though, because the DLCs are usually, like, they, they are really cheap as well when they go on sale. Yeah, generally you can yeah. get the whole thing for, like, less than 50 bucks. Yes. No, like, they, they, have, they have a lot of, like, paint jobs and, like, truck-type DLCs, um, like, special things. Um, they've got a couple of special cargo DLCs, like heavy cargo and forestry stuff. Um, but generally speaking, like even if you just buy the base game, which is like usually 75% off when it goes on sale, you do get th- uh, three maps with that, if I recall correctly, because you get California, Nevada, and Arizona. Because um, it came out with with um, Cali and Arizona, if I recall correctly, and then they released nevada later but as like a it's 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 extra it's an extra map but it's free to pick up and like i mean yes it does add up but it's kind of like it it adds up price-wise like a paradox game you'll just sink so many like if you enjoy it you'll sink so many hours into this game like i have already played and I, the way I play Traxim is like, I play it a lot in a short amount of time and then I like stop for several months and then I play it a lot again. And I've already like broken over a hundred hours now, I think. So it's like, you know, it it's, it's definitely like the price is not like overly expensive or anything like that. Not at all, actually, I think, especially if you, if you're patient and you p- pick up the maps when they're on sale rather than buy them when they come out new. Yeah, so I've um, I've just bought it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. <laughs> Not sponsored. Yeah, no. Y- y- you've you've just sold me on it, so um, yeah, that's 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 working. It does uh, also now um since twenty twenty, it does have native multiplayer as well, which is really cool. So yeah, you can I've play seen, together with people. I've seen some people doing convoys, and it yeah. just it strikes me as the the funniest thing. It's like, hey. Do you want to jump in a call and just pretend we're driving together for like hours? Yeah, it's great. It's it's actually really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but we have another driving game to talk about. I think it's a good good enough segue, you know. Good segue, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Meow. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Now <laughs> is your time yeah. to shine. What, it's time what to is talk about Stunfest World Tour, I think. Yes, Stunfest World Tour. So um, I'm actually working at at, uh, Power Entertainment and we're developing uh, Stunfest World Tour, which is um, 
I wouldn't exactly call it a driving game uh, or a racing game, but it's like uh, you have cars in it and you can do stunts. You have like um, there's different tracks um, that we're developing at the moment, different maps. And um, it's kind of like a battle royale in a way because um, there's like 18 players in total and you do these stunt shows um and every single map you get like points and then they add up and then as time as the days pass so to speak because it's about like 10 or 12 days um per stunt show uh you get eliminated like the lower ones get eliminated and then the the top i don't know 10 or 6 people uh, continue on to the next map and it's it's really really fun and I'm not just saying this because like I'm working on it um, but I'm usually not the type of person who likes racing games that much like the the main ones I ever really like were um, Gran Turismo and Mario Kart of course uh, so so yeah it, it, this one is like really really fun because you, you get to do all these like weird stunts that you would otherwise not really do and of course there's there's also crash derby in it like one of the few maps is yeah you you get to wreck stuff um yeah i i saw this thing announced on a, a live stream relatively recently and it, I, I it was like okay so there, there's cars and they're driving and they're going over jumps okay and then suddenly they turn into people okay and then they're flying and then they're going through like superman hoops and then they're landing and then they're turning back into cars and i i have a question is the human the car or are are the cars the humans like what who where at what point does biology become machinery in this universe (laughs) i feel like i can't answer that question (laughs) you'll have to play the game no um the 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 actual thing is you just uh, you just um, jump out of the car, and then yeah, you you kind of summon car your car around, around you. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So was, basically, was... what you're saying is we're Night Rider. Ooh, I was going Spy Kids, but like you know, whatever works. <laughs> I'm uh, just waiting. Yeah, I just I'm dated just waiting myself for the... again, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the law drop. You know. Like, you know, your mm. people who have the ability to summon cars through the power of a special item. Um, I I saw it, and the, the first rem- the thing I got was an absolute flashback to Destruction Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, that old game. And I was just like, oh my god, I can't wait to play this because I love games where you don't have to be nice to your car. Like, I... I could never play any games like Gran Turismo or anything because the idea of not crashing was just not in my realm space. So, so games where you get to really thrash cars and then, you know, do all the other cool stunt stuff is, it's going to be fun, I think. I mean, the, I the important question for, for me is just like, what, what is the actual game loop like? Like, what are you... From from watching the, the preview footage, it's it's a little bit difficult to kind of mm-hmm. figure out. Am I racing? Am I? Is this a score attack game? Is there like a set route? W- what is the actual game loop for Stunt Fest World Tour? So at the moment, um, as in, like if you were to start up the game and you'd want to like get right into it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment we have these these stunt shows, which I mentioned before, and it has um I think about 10 maps at the moment. So you have you would have, for example, one which is racing, uh, one which is like destroy uh, all the other cars, ones which is oh you're you're only on the glider. And you have to go through hoops and stuff and, and get the fastest time. Um, what else is there? But like most of the races where you have to go from like point A to point B via all sorts of different shortcuts is always time based. Like you always have to have the, the shortest time when it's uh, more of a destruction derby type thing, uh, type map then you have to um, score points. So even if you destroy the other car, like there's other cars on the map that you can pick up. Um, and you have, I think, like 20 seconds or 30 seconds where um, once your car gets destroyed, you you can just pick up another car. And you, you still have like your little gadgets that make you, you can fly up like a little ledge where maybe there's a car there and then use that one and start scoring more points by crashing against other people. I'm just really glad that in your glider suit, you can hit the ground and you get the real, like, you know, the old uh, GTA wasted vibe. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I yeah, no, I uh, have no idea what you mean because I never crash. <laughs> <laughs> I crash all the time. Well, yeah, can't relate, can't relate. I um crash into wall, my... crash into spiky boulder, crash into other player. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I um what was the last racing game I played? Um oh, what was the one that was big recently? Horizon. Mm. What's that Horizon, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the uh, my brain to went to Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm like, that's not a racing game. <laughs> <laughs> it did take me like a second where Forza I was like, Horizon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forza. Not a... Not if you try hard enough, Forza. Yeah, I don't know why I said Horizon. Um, I there isn't really... enough names for video games and too many video games is the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my brain. Um, I just love that you could crash through through everything in that. And mm, it's so good, isn't it? I, I, I love it. games that, that sort of approach any sort of like moving, like have the environment be destructible, be able to just be like, no, no. The quickest way from point A to point B is by running over point C. Yes. Um. Yes, and you get points <laughs> for it. And the more you do it, the more points you get. It's great. I, 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 take, I take your point C and raise you point Y. Because if because I it's mean, fun, and I don't get to do it IRL. You, you yeah, yeah, miss, yeah, you I miss the point. Wait, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> point, point A, point C, but what about point Y? Just, just jump up all, all three of them. Just, I am a jet. <laughs> no, that, that's the thing. It's like I, yes, I drive, I drive oh, over sorry. bushes and get points in Forza. I do it in real life, and my driving instructor's like, "I'm failing you." It just doesn't seem fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But it, it looks get like bind. Yeah, yeah. Bonus points, sir. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the <laughs> deductions, penalties. No, 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 no. You, you, if you if you run over the construction site, that's how you get the turbo boost. <laughs> but yeah, I look, looking at Stunfest World Tour. It kind of to me just screams the 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 best parts of 
like the, the 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 dirt games as well as combine that with just a, a multitude of things from other games that you know when when I play a game with cars in it, I don't want to actually play a game with cars in it. I want to play a game with the concept of cars in it, mm-hmm. which is why I enjoy things like track mania. And when I see big tracks flo- floating in midair in ways that break physics, I'm, I'm going to pay attention. So that's something that yeah. I'm yep. curious Same. about trying. I, I'm not like, I'm not a hardcore racing simulator driver, you know? Nope. I, I, I like the ones that, you know, I'm in a crashing game, so I'd like it to be funny. And if I get points for doing so as well, then, you know, I'm sold. Same. All right. Uh, I'm going to take this. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'm going to take this opportunity to to, to move us over to Gloomwood, which is a game that I played over this past week. Yeah, tell me about that. I'm curious. Me too. Have Have any of you played Thief? I have not played it myself, but I've watched an entire playthrough of it. Okay. Well, I've been from... called one. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we know that you stole things from a party earlier. So, uh... He didn't even manage to. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wasn't called a good one. <laughs> so, so Gloomwood is uh, the most recent release from New Blood Interactive, and it is a... Hmm. It, th- this was a game that I saw on Twitter like three years ago <laughs> and uh, it, just in like individual scenes uh, posted by one half of the development team, uh, Dylan Rogers. Um, and it's it's trying to be Thief. That, that's, that's what this game is. Um, it is a first-person stealth action, I guess, uh, first-person adventure game i would say because they're not quite first person shooters they're uh, it's okay so it's it starts you off kind of in this prison-esque environment and uh a dude lets you go and he says that you need to work your way to the lighthouse um and you're just always referred to as the doctor the kind of theming and uh, world of this game feels very bloodborne. It's very kind of cosmic horror, weird nightmare kind of aesthetic. Uh, you've got a, the the main enemy type that you're going to be tolerating are uh, these weird plague doctor guys that either have shotguns, hatchets, or um, torches. Although when they have torches, they seem to prefer to set each other on fire more than um, other things. Um, I think that the the biggest problem with the game currently is it's it's very early access. It's very short. There isn't a lot in it, um, which is for me was a little bit disappointing because it is something that I've been kind of keeping an eye on and waiting for for a very long time. But as a stealth action immersive sim, I think it kind of ticks all of the right boxes. You have a, a little pointy stick that you can stab people with and they die. Uh, you very quickly get a shotgun and a handgun. Um, and you can get the handgun a little bit earlier if you uh, are uh, wary of your environment and uh, find a safe. Um, but there's plenty of different routes and things that you can do. Uh, there's a interesting stealth system, which is uh, signified by a ring on your thumb. Um, so back in Thief, there was like an icon in the bottom left of the screen, but in this, there's a ring on your thumb, which lights up based on uh, how well lit the environment is. So if you can't see the ring at all, they can't see you. If you can see the ring, they'll be able to see you. Um, and so you're very much going to be jumping from shadow to shadow and avoiding, um, kind of the, the seeing gaze of the enemy, which can be quite hilarious when you pop into their line of sight and they go, 
I think I see something. And then you step back in the shadow and they're like, it must have been nothing. It's like, <laughs> ah, yes, this is a video game. Um, I think that Thief actually does this better. And this is kind of where I get a little sad about this game. Thief was a very mechanical game in its execution of stealth. There was uh, always kind of like, yeah, you, you could like very much game it out and just trick the AI into not being aware of you. But this game feels like I, I have less control over it. And I think part of the issue with it is its fidelity. And I know that this is going to sound weird because like people like graphics and this game isn't that graphically crazy, but it tries to be too pretty. And I think that places, I, I think that that kind of messes with your ability to play a thief game. Um, because when you have like this nice soft lighting and you don't have super strict jagged lines, like in thief, it suddenly goes from being a, okay, this is an interesting mechanically dense stealth action game to, am I in the dark? <laughs> is this area dark? Um, and I'm not thrilled with that. So I kind of felt like it was accidentally becoming a stealth action game instead of just being a stealth action game. It's it's funny you talk about a game like this because I was actually just having a discussion last night with a friend about uh, the old Splinter Cell games and how they had the 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 stealth and the light thing and I was like no game seems to be able to do that well nowadays like it's really crazy that uh, Splinter Cell came out on the original Xbox and to my mind did it incredibly well and then to hear that another game's been trying to do it and and hasn't succeeded is like huh well it's not that it hasn't succeeded i think it is succeeding i think you know it's it's the new blend interactive style of we'll make you a fifth of a game right and then yep. you're gonna beta test it for us and then we're gonna update that in six uh, in six weeks or whatever with a chunk of new level and we will have re-refined the early areas and so for right now, looking at Gloomwood, it's a really cool little base for what probably will be an awesome homage to Thief, but right now it's very short, and the stuff yep. that's there is not polished to a point where everything feels great. Like, it, it's all... Like, it, it, if you boil it down to its fundamentals, it is a interesting kind of Lovecraftian homage to Thief, However, I there's not enough there, and the um, what is there doesn't feel worth the asking price uh, of the of the audience at this point. Although I will say no. I I agree with that one dude in the Steam reviews section that said uh, this uh, inventory screen fucks because it's possibly the one of the coolest inventory screens I've seen in ever. It's like this weird, like, folding briefcase thing that has, like, three different shelves in it, and it rotates, and one side has, like, your journal and, like, your map and other things, uh, and then the other side is, like, a grid um, uh, suitcase that's, like, all physics-based, so you can, like, click and drag stuff out of it, and they just fall into the environment and make noise, and you have to be very careful if and to not, not bump stuff together to alert guys in the other room. That part's really cool. Um, so it, like, there's a lot of really neat ideas 
in Gloomwood, but I, I think that unless you desperately need to play a game like this right now, I think that there's better offerings on the market. Just to toss out a name uh, for another game that I need to actually get around to playing more of, uh, Blood West is probably a better uh, take on the kind of thief style of first-person shooter. Right, right. How short is it? It's a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. How short is it currently? Because you said it's very short, but I cleared it in two hours. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that is. There short. are lots of, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I sequence broke it at one point actually, because um, there, there's a, a an air that like kind of the starting area is kind of like this weird fishing wharf, and I was able to get into the water and I swam all the way across the water and I think I skipped a chunk of it. Um, because I found an invisible wall and then kind of sh- like almost skyrimmed my way up the back of like a cliff. <laughs> and then there were these three dudes on top of it, all with torches. And then they set each other on fire instead of setting me on fire. Cause I can't hit down with torches. They can only hit like sideways. Um, so they hit each other's hit boxes with the torches and they all burned up. And then I climbed up and then finished the level. I was like, Hmm, I think I sequence broke this. <laughs> so it's, it, that sounds and, amazing. Actually. Most of the, yeah. It was, it was kind of great. Actually. I mean, for an immersive sim, it felt pretty good. Cause I felt like I, mm. I won. Cause that's what you want to do in an immersive sim is like get this close to breaking it, but not quite. Um, like they, you know, there's, there's some fun mechanics. Like there's like exploding barrels and like you can stealth up behind a guy and pick up an exploding barrel and move it behind him and then walk back stealth backwards and shoot the barrel, which always feels really good. Uh, like th- things like that are, are, are in there and it, it is, it is a fun sandbox of toys to mess around with, but even without knowing the routes, I can clear that game in two hours. I, I'm pretty sure if I went back and did it again, I could I could probably clear it in 30 minutes. Mm. There really isn't a lot to it right mm. now. Mm. I mean, it's early so access. It's, uh, it is yeah, early access, yeah. yes. But it, it's also a New Blood interactive early access game, which means they will sell you a fifth of a game, and then you, you wait six weeks. So I, I think it's very much a, an easy game to say, yeah, it's cool and will be cool. So don't buy it because it's Wait and so see. unfinished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, unless it's unless you're starving for uh, a thief style of game, I would say you know just like Ultra Kill or anything else that they've or Dusk even, um, which is one of one of the the developer of Dusk is actually working on this. Like just just give it a year and play it then because that's when it will be a full experience. Otherwise, you'll just start playing it and then you'll. St- suddenly hit a door that just says under construction and you'll be like oh great i've I've run out of game yeah it's it just kind of takes the wind out of your sails i guess because this is the kind of game that i would want to just sit down and chew through and i i was just hoping that the initial early access offering would have more i'm actually Mm. super curious since we're talking about early access games um because I, I said earlier, like, oh, it's disappointing when you you, you kind of um, when it's like, oh, an area that's under construction. Do you actually enjoy early access games? Like, do you? I think, I've, well, both of the games I have on my list here, Songs of Six and Gloomwood, are both early access games, and I have thousands of hours in Dwarf Fortress, which is a like one of the original early access mm-hmm. games that will never be finished. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I play a lot of early access stuff. I, I like the concept of early access and there are some games out there that do early access fantastically well. Um, Blind has mentioned some already. Caves um, of like, Cud. 
cave. So yeah, <laughs> like stuff like or, or stuff like RimWorld, um, Oxygen Not Included, and like games that they give you a big chunk to do at the start, and then they keep you informed, and they they you know. They don't have like oh six months of nothing and mm-hmm. then there's suddenly like you know like a steam post like we we're not done yet and and then yeah or like yeah like 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 a I don't know like a Daisy type of early access. Um, there are a lot of bad eggs out there though that abuse the early access concept and they basically just release an alpha mm-hmm. at, at best. Even like Project Zomboid, where by the way we lost our source code again. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, twice. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Like, like, as as like the playing the type of games on stream that I play, I like can't avoid playing early access games. Mm -hmm. But there are definitely some out there that do it better than others. It's super interesting to me because uh, so obviously I I don't stream right. I'm not a streamer, just a a regular mm. peasant gamer um and um i i always try to play games that are just uh that are already finished so to speak and then just uh, a few months ago actually mm, <laughs> i have that problem where i say the other day and it could have been two years ago i don't know um i started mm. uh, I, I bought a game that was in early access and i was actually really really um surprised by how much there was and how quickly they also updated based on the community's feedback. That's always something that's like super mm. cool to see for me, uh, who who generally just yeah pay, plays games that that are already finished. There there are companies out there who do it so 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 well. Like Dyson Sphere Program, for example, which is like a factory game that came out with like solid eighty hours worth of content in early access last year and they have been adding so much stuff to the game on top of that that game like once that's finished and complete and you're going to do a full playthrough it's going to take you like 200 hours it's going to be amazing (laughs) this is actually a really good opportunity for me to talk about songs of six which is an early access game which i've been playing as well on the other early access game i've been playing because it's it's this the initial demo that released for Songs of Six was a... Okay, well, first off, I should explain what the game is. It is a city-building strategy game with some empire simulation. And it's kind of like this mashup of Dungeon Keeper, Pharaoh, a little bit of RimWorld, and Total War. And it's it's a city-builder where you, you you have multiple different species of characters. You have orcs, elves... Lizard people, uh, humans, dwarves, bug people, and these weird blue giants that live for a thousand years um, that hate everybody <laughs> and just want to be God. Um, and it, it, very quickly you you start building and it's it's very mechanically dense in that everything has a bajillion different requirements and small stats that are affected by everything from the roundness and shape of houses all the way up to uh, what kind of carpet they have or the material the walls are made out of or whether or not they're okay with living underground or whether or not they get depressed if they don't have enough showers um, or if they don't have fruit or don't have meat or don't have a specific type of jewelry that they want or whether or not their clothes are made out of uh, fibers or leather 
Um, and this is a game that gets an update maybe once every three months. And the update could be something like, oh, there's trebuchets and archery in the combat now. Or the update could be something like the housing update and sickness update, which just came out, where um, now diseases will spread out and you have to make uh, physicians, hospitals, and um, there's one other type of doctor house, which I haven't seen yet. Um, and then there's the, the the housing update that came out alongside that, where now instead of just building bunk houses for everybody and they just go sleep in random beds at random, they're all individually assigned houses and they claim houses that are close to where they work. So... This is a game where I put 50 hours into the initial release version. I put another 50 hours into the the the, the combat update, which added combat into the game about eight months ago. And now I'm trying to work my way through all of this sickness. And also, in that time, the developer rebalanced the tech tree twice. So now there's actually a tech tree and stuff is unlocked. Also, the way the tech tree works in this game is you have to chop down trees and make paper and then build a library, and you have to have people that maintain the library, otherwise the paper degrades. So you, you're constantly in this loop of expanding your city because everything requires expansion right down to your tech tree because if you don't have enough people to manage your libraries, then your tech tree degrades. And this is a game that gets an update every two months. So whenever an update comes out, he retools the tech tree, rebalances half of the game, uh, adds in a bunch of content, and so you're trying to relearn the game every six months while also getting new stuff to play with, and it's like this infinitely expanding toy box of things to play with. And so as an early access game, it's kind of amazing because every three to six months you have basically a new game to play. That's actually quite interesting because I was just about to to say from from my perspective on early access games is I absolutely hate when you play an early access game because I tend to hyper focus right I will play all of the content and then they'll release six months later with an update where there's a little bit of an expansion you know an extra ten hours of play or whatever but you got to go through the 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 initial time first. And, you know, I get so over having to do that, having to repeat the already existing content to get to the new content. The idea of the starting experience being completely different as well just instantly adds another thing that appeals to me about this game. Well, it depends on the type of early access game that you're playing, right? Like Gloomwood is a game where I played through that initial level. I will probably replay the initial level at some point, right? And then the next exp- the next update's going to come out, and I'm going to go to my same save file and play through the new content they've added, and then I will go to the same save file and play through the new content they've added, and I will slowly over the next year or whatever, or two years, play through that entire game, and then I'll be done. With a game like Songs of Six, because it's a an ever-changing sandbox of toys, or a game like Caves of Cud or Cogmind, or even a game like Jupiter Hell or RimWorld, those games are they're 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 mechanical games where you can do a playthrough and then you have a new game in six months to do another playthrough with like if you played RimWorld during its early access period you have this game that with every major expansion is practically a new game i think it works really well for certain formats of game and really poorly for other formats of game but yeah i think i think very story story based games i you know would really dislike having to play through all of the story again to progress a little bit further in the story that would start 
draining yeah, me very fast. That that was the problem that I had with um, Kentucky Road Zero, actually. Which is why I've never I don't finished know that, that game. Yeah, I don't know that game, but like that's for example, like I I one hundred percent agree. Like there are certain types of games where I I don't think early access works really well. Like I love their games, but like Divinity Original Sin, Divinity Original Sin Two, like I I don't want to replay the early access content or like by now like Baldur's Gate Three, which is what they're working working on now. I don't want to have to go through like the starting stuff for those types of games over and over and over again during early access just because they've added and I don't know let's say a new class or something like that like like Divinity Original Sin 2 I bought it when it came out in early access but I did not touch it until that game was finished because I I can't play through that content that often I just can't do it yeah no i had a similar thing with um i played oh i forget what it was um now maybe i can come back to it now but i played through i think it was a uh, graveyard keeper when it was early access um and i just played through all of that and then when it released and then all the other stuff has come out i go to play it and you've got to play through all the start of it again before mm. you get to the, the dlc the stuff and i'm just like no i don't want to do that <laughs> mm. out, out of curiosity meow stations what was the early access game that you picked up uh i'm trying to remember but uh, now that he started talking about graveyard keeper i was literally just thinking about it. it when when you mentioned uh having to start again because i do remember having to do that as well and uh I, I started again with graveyard keeper with like a bunch of new dlcs and i'm like yeah i can't get into it anymore for some reason big shout out start like uh to uh the people who are making who made my time at porsche who are making my time at sandrock where i literally took a save file in porsche from all the start all the way from the start of early access all the way to uh like 1.0 release and they were like there was there was one bug that i had but like i could do it and i didn't have to play the old stuff again which was so good and because I, 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 if I had to have played through that stuff again, I, I would have gone, I would have not enjoyed that. But like just letting me continue on my save file, like, but I can just, you know, play all the new stuff and it works and no problem. It's just so good. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. And you have the choice to restart if you want to, but you can just continue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, where it doesn't force you. Whereas for a game, like for a city builder or like a like a run-based game, where every playthrough is different anyways, like it doesn't matter that much. But as soon as there's like a story involved and stuff like repeats, that's where it gets dicey, I think. For me personally, at least. I just play a lot of games that lend themselves really well to early access. And Same. A lot of games as well that have that that are that fit into older genres that have been around for so long at this point that like, you know, uh, it's pretty fair to say that something like Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup or even Ancient Domains of Mystery, you know, games that have like or Ancient Domains of Mystery specifically has like existed as long as I have. That game originally released in '94. Uh, like the, those games were quite literally the equivalent of early access, even even though they were released as a finished thing that you could go download. 
it's just they got perpetual updates for a, mm. a decade or two. Exactly. So there, there's a couple of games that fit into that kind of mold that I play now that, yeah, they're early access, but they're early access because they're getting perpetual updates. Like Caves of Cud has been getting updates for a decade now, and it's only been for sales since 2016 on Steam, I think. Actually, I need to look. When did they put that game up for sale originally? 2015 was when they initially put it out on Steam. And it's like that game's been playable and available for uh since 2011 so uh, i don't know I, I think that there's like there's different definitions of early access and i think that there's a lot of really bad apples that have just kind of spoiled the whole concept for a lot of people but yeah I, th I think it means different things to different people and different things to different genres um and there's certain genres that it fits really well and certain ones that it fits really poorly um mm -hmm. yep I an example that, that that i that i sorry if you, if you remember the game you can go I do remember the game. It was No Place Like Home. Mm, yeah. But that's finished now, too. Like, that, yeah, they, they've... It's it's done. It's 1.0 release now. Yeah, yeah. Well. But when I installed it, I think it was... Or, like, when I bought it, it was an early access. And I think there was a lot mm. of stuff, including inventory management, which wasn't there. Like, there was no real... Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that was frustrating. But... Yeah, early access. That I think they did it. A... Well. Yeah, that game has come a long while, and and they actually are putting out, um, or they put out one a big post-release update, like content update as well, where they added the uh, dungeons. Yes. In August, I want to say. Yeah, uh, a month ago. I think in so fact. yeah. Think. Yeah. So. Um, I need to finish it, but. Yeah. Speaking of games getting updates and getting new releases and such. Do you want to hear about a game that's been updated after 28 years? Yeah, sure. I wanted I, to say no I feel like as I'm a about joke. to. <laughs> no, wow. Never. You are becoming far too comfortable here. Uh, <laughs> how long is this podcast? And you're already razzing me. Um, Only an hour and 24 minutes so far. Yeah, yeah. I've recorded so, time anyway. I haven't edited it yet, I, so I don't know how long the podcast I is. I first... I first played this game when I was eight years old and it's a game that always stuck with me. And that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES. Um, and they recently released the Cowabunga collection, which had all of their games from arcade NES, NES, and a couple of weird other ones as well. They re-released them all in a steam collection and, oh my God, I, 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 basically completely forgot I was streaming the game at one point um, and was just so into playing like back at that time. Um, it's it's absolutely good. I mostly played uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES because that was the one that I actually really wanted the collection for because that was the one, the only one that I'd actually played. But Oh my god, they've um basically instead of just being like an emulated version, they've added like a whole bunch of optional improvements. Like um if any of you ever played on like the Nintendo Entertainment System, there was a lot of flickering on certain mm. models because of, you know, the way the way the memory worked. Um you can straight up choose whether to have that on or off. You know, you can change the scan lines whether you want it to look like old school or new school or whatever 
and they had a strategy guide throughout the entire thing that you could also look at. And oh my god, it's just it's the way old school games should be released. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. I just when talking about these old collections, like there's kind of something that I th- that I'm going to be mean to you for a second here, Arch. Um, these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games are for a second, yeah, only for one second. <laughs> these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games are notoriously terrible. Um, they're not very good video games. However, uh, not very good video games are often looked upon with a lot of nostalgia because these older games are like I, I, I there's a bunch of star wars games in my sock drawer that are for the game boy that are terrible that i have a lot of fondness for because they were games that i had and i got for my birthday or whatever when i was you know like a, a child and those were games that i remember playing a lot of that i played in their entirety even though they weren't very good and a lot of, almost all of these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games fall into that kind of category where they're not necessarily the best games. However, there's a lot of people that have a lot of fondness for them. Um, well, and that's an- the, the, the studio Digital Eclipse, they've done a number of these collections now, and they very much care about presenting these games with care, even if the games that they are presenting aren't very good which is why i want to say that digital eclipse is um doing a monumental task when it comes to uh preserving these games and making them available currently yeah for sure and and the thing that i would probably highlight when it comes to that is before the nintendo entertainment system video games at home was an absolutely lawless wasteland and you know that the games lend themselves to a certain style almost all of the games are a beat em up style you know because that's what the cartoons were they would work out they would go somewhere shredders committed a crime they would beat up some of the foot clan they would work out what the thing is they would go and stop shredder they'd beat him up and he'd run away so it lent itself very well to the beat em up stuff which is probably why i didn't have a lot to do with a lot of the beat em ups the original Nintendo Entertainment System one, though, is actually a platformer, and it's it's surprisingly good. Like, I did my Retrothon games where I played other games before, and I mean, the Predator game? You're wearing pink. You shoot crabs, and you go under the sea and fire lasers at seahorses, you know? It's a video the, game, yep. Yeah, basically it was a completely different game that, from what I can imagine back in the past, is whoever was producing Predator basically went, hey, we're going to buy this game, slap our IP on it, and sell that. And so, yeah, there are a ton of games like that, and that's what I really like about the the one on Nintendo, because it actually is unique. It's not a beat-em-up. It's got some real fun style to it like you know you've got each of the four turtles that you can choose on they're all all their weapons are different and thus they behave differently and some areas are easier with one turtle some are easier with another and it's actually kind of good i will agree with you because i played after that uh turtles in time and it just felt like i mean i played power rangers the other week and it felt exactly the same you know yeah okay my weapon was different but I was pretty much mashing the kick or punch button 
while I did that. And I can understand that. And I can also understand that it being an era of capturing a lot of people where they weren't jaded by poorly done um, licensed games. Well, it's because you didn't know any better as well, right? Like you said that you played this when you were eight. Well, I still don't know any better. Like, don't get me wrong. You're you're an adult now with experience. No, but I also you know that Stardew people... Valley is a good video game, and Calab I... and Calabunga Edition Collection is a collection of not very good video games. But you like the I not also very know... good video games because you have nostalgia for them. I also know that eight year olds currently don't like the uh, the Zelda, uh, not the Zelda, the uh, Sonic game coming out. You know, it's not necessarily because I didn't know better, but um what constitutes a good game what what makes a good game and the understanding of what's possible is much more visible and but i think they did well i think the the ness one did really well uh it's a game that held up like i've played it off stream as well um and not just for the nostalgia like there is that feeling of yes i want to finally beat the game but it is a fun game in and of itself the beat em up ones not so much but yeah, no, it's it's kind of interesting because, I mean, I also played Harvest Moon um, and was like, wow, this game is trash, you know? Um, that was the SNES one. Because you got it was the just, original one? Or... Yeah, I was, I was engaged to Eve after like the first three days because time stopped at 6 p.m. and you could literally just run up to the mountain, get some grapes, run back to Eve, give her the grapes, and just do that until she was madly in love with you. I remember that On the second night. Yeah. But it's also aged really, really horribly. Yet the Turtles one had it. And that's kind of what I want to call out. You know, it's not necessarily, oh, it's a masterpiece. It's It's a simple premise done well. It's a seven a out of, of it, it's a seven out of ten game from a long time ago that is packaged and presented and preserved in its original state, and it's still a seven out of ten game. Exactly, many of them have dropped massively. Yeah, some of the other games in that collection are like a two out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I did like though is the there's a you can actually get a strategy guide. If you press like select or something, there's a strategy guide that labels all the places. And I was, I was blown away. Apparently, um, you're not at a military base, you're at air base. You actually go to JFK airport, which doesn't make sense because there's planes that fly over and drop bombs on you. But we always thought we were at the military air base because of that. But no, apparently you're actually at an airport. I'm like, this makes no sense. Just like, uh, hold hold on a second. Um, you're playing <laughs> teenage mutant ninja turtles, but your suspension of disbelief is broken by the fact that they're bombing an airport. Well, it's also the spike traps and the flames at the airport. Sure, that but like me. that, that the airport is the part that's breaking your immersion because they they definitely have spike traps and flame traps in military airports. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the kind of military airports that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would attack, yeah. What what about the kind of normal airports that they would get attacked at in an airport? Oh, no. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles don't go to normal airports. They'd get caught out by security. 
as somebody who like read some of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics and like never really paid attention to the IP outside of that because I'm too young for it, really. Um, I it was that's where your suspension of disbelief. Okay, okay, we had the turtle blimp. Um, which, you know, there were people that had to live in disguise. They wore the trench coats and, you know, hid themselves because uh, they were turtles, but they also had a blimp. Why didn't they hide in their shells? Cause they're turtles. Well, that would make it very hard to walk around the streets of New York. Yeah. And save, save humanity and, yeah. you know, defeat Treader. They don't have but technology I, for that? No. They're no, ninjas. This was, they don't this have technology. Back, <laughs> they're they're yeah, mutant. this is back when... <laughs> I think they just eat pizza isn't, isn't that how that works but my favorite thing is they were actually created uh tongue-in-cheek from um daredevil huh so oh, in daredevil in daredevil it was an accident with nuclear waste that destroyed his eyes mm-hmm. that accident is the same one that created the teenage mutant ninja turtles i didn't know like, that yeah, yeah, it was created for the same reason. <laughs> huh. Today huh, indeed. Yeah. I mean, I, all I can say is I, I have a lot more uh, lore knowledge about Usagi Yojimbo than I do with um, TMNT, and I do know that those two are also in the same universe. Does that mean that, like, there's a ninja bunny in daredevil now i think you're kind of like retroactively ruining daredevil for me i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) oh who was that ninja bunny from cmnt i've literally just googled it technically it's a samurai but oh right yes i remember i used to have a toy of him yeah see i i know i watched tmnt way too much as a child I and I played TV all of child. I played all of the games, yet I remember nothing. Yeah, like, because that's about how much substance anything. TMNT has. No, it's also my brain, but uh, yeah, I remember like nothing. So I like lore type stuff is just nope. Mm. <laughs> I, I also remember um, for my brother's birthday, TMNT stuff hadn't yet like. The shows had gotten here, but the merchandise had not gotten here Ooh. yet. So for my brother's birthday, mum actually had a friend in the US buy a whole bunch and send it over. So he was the first kid of his year to have a TMNT themed party because the the party stuff, like the all of that did not exist in Australia yet. It existed in the US. It just hadn't come to Australia yet. So he was like the coolest kid on the block for about two months. Well, I've never been the coolest kid on the block. So I'm going to uh, pause this podcast and say that I think it's time for us to go to news because otherwise this is going to be a three hour show. So (laughs) I'm going to take us to a real quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we can talk about how an NFT expert wants you to be an NFT and how China is continuing to buy everything. Um... Hi, hi, I am Sui. I'm not in the current episode that you are watching at the moment, but I would just like to say check out my stream. I play a large variety of games, mostly like indie wholesome games that are super fun. So yeah, if you'd like to check that out, make sure you do so. Anyway, 
back to the show. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and we're uh, the uh, episode uh, thirty-four. I should have remembered that. Anyway, uh, we're we're back with episode thirty-four of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and we're going to be talking about some things that have happened in the news recently. And like I alluded to earlier, uh, there's this article on PC Gamer uh, by Andy Chalk, and and they have this little write-up um, uh, about how uh, an NFT. Uh, expert wants you to be a NPC for them in their video game because I guess they're too lazy to program AI now. Um, essentially, it's it's talking about how um, th- th- this person who is so far down the uh, play-to-earn rabbit hole that they think that it is a positive thing that if you don't have a large enough amount of money to buy into the video games that you want to play, they want you to just go walk back and forth and hold something or be a shopkeeper for them in their world so that we can have classism in video games because apparently that's a positive thing. Anybody want to take this from here or are we all just seeming it with anger? Honestly, it's just, just angry. <laughs> It's just another example of the absolute tone deafness of of anyone within that field, you know. Um, honestly, the 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 crypto bro market is always, always, you know, they're always seeking new highs and uh, new highs and just how absolutely disgusting they can be in their disregard of decency. That's about as far as I can put it politely, you know. Um, the That's idea polite that, oh, for an Australian, to be honest. Oh, look, look, I'm trying hard. Uh, I'm actually trying this time. Like, the idea that people within those countries or, you know, we can take advantage and have the poor people dance for us is, oh. is like, something not out of place from, you know, why the French kind of got up and... Uh, put everyone else on the chopper, all the nobles on the chopping block, you know? Yeah. So, so this ar- level of tone deafness. This article is is citing a, a story um, which is written about uh, a Minecraft NFT-based uh, server series. Because it's hard to, for me to call these games in and of themselves because really all they're doing is they're just taking Minecraft assets and locking them onto a blockchain uh, called Critters, um, in which one of the uh, high rollers on on the team referred to it, uh, referred to this being a, a wonderful thing, where they had a army of uh, individuals uh, from the Philippines that were operating uh, this casino that he'd built um, using ten thousand dollars to pay uh, professional in in quotes Minecraft builders uh, to build for him. So he paid professional Minecraft builders 10 grand to build him a casino uh, in which he was paying um, people uh, from the Philippines to operate and work in. Um, And if this is someone's ideal end game for video games, then I don't want to work in this industry anymore. Um, That's how I feel about this because it's, it's just... They're the laughing stock of this industry for a reason, and I really, really hope that they stay this way because that that is not a good outcome for anybody at any level, in my opinion. It's pure and utter human indecency. Nothing yeah. more, nothing less. It is um, 
things that, you know, even preschoolers, even kindergartners, if they were ever seen, I think I remember something, you know, strange analogy, but, um, I think in year one, my brother had this task of write what you would do if you were, you know, the king for the day. And it was based on this story. And he literally wrote that he would have the poor people dance for him. And it was such an issue that it actually went to the principal and they had to be like, you know, um, this is wrong. You know, you cannot do this. And, and the fact that, you know, someone in year one who is like seven years old, um, got told that and sort of, you know, they knew to stop that then to then have someone so utterly, utterly clueless and say such a thing and just think it's actually a good thing. Um, it, it just blows the mind away about how little they care about other people. What's amusing about this is Roblox already does this. That's <laughs> like literally that, that like this is that. the, this is the business model of Roblox. It's not really because Roblox um, basically has the option for you to sell things and then takes a cut. And yeah, it is. And you can pay people in Robux to, you know, program your game for you. So how is this literally any different? You're you're paying people in in in-game currency. He wasn't talking about paying people just to build his thing. That was the first thing he did. Sure. He was talking about paying people to just fill the world and be NPCs. You can do that and in Roblox. You can do that in any game. You can do it in an MMO. I can go and I can buy yes, fish but it, it, the, the in difference ESO. Is, the, the difference is the creators of the MMO aren't getting a profit if you just send Steve some currency within the MMO. If you send somebody some Robux within Roblox, the Roblox Corporation takes a portion of that Robux for every Robux transfer. Sure, okay. you could pay them through PayPal or some third-party service, but that's not what people do in Roblox, right? right. In Elder Scrolls, it is perfectly legal to, to buy crowns off other players. I can trade items or currency for the premium currency and get gifted items. Yes, but that is, is exactly is the same. Bethesda making money every single time you make a trade transaction between another player, or does the value of that item stay static once it's in the game world? Because in this, like No, I'm talking paying... premium currency items. I can give someone items and they buy fifty dollars worth of premium currency and give buy and gift the item to me. Sure. And then I have that, and I can. But like, that item has a static boxes. value once you have that item. Loot and boxes also, that literally cannot be traded. Also, like, they the, can't be given away. The 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 studio isn't making money every. T- okay, so it, it, essentially, the the reason this bothers me is because it's a studio profiting off of like underpaid people that are doing this as a job. What you're talking about is unique items in an MMO that people are earning and trading, which is kind of a different thing. Not really what I The same thing the same thing happens with Roblox Roblox though, you know, that doesn't become a currency that you can then take home and Yeah, you can. You, know, you can cash how? out Robux for real dollars within the Roblox website. Okay, so we are again at the same point of 
are you arguing that Roblox is just as bad or you're arguing that I'm arguing that Roblox is just as bad, yes. Yeah. So again, that's not really an argument because quite simply, they're both disgusting. Sure. I've not really paid much attention to Roblox because again, it's I, I guess my, my question is why why do these NFT bros get all of the bad press when there's already something that's just as bad that is extremely popular and widely accepted as okay for children but that's all this is a what this is this is this is a whataboutism though that in the end is yeah both are bad and both should be stopped you know i'm I, i'm just as disgusted hearing that you can do it within roblox and you know you won't I, you I, won't see me playing it anytime soon. I think that the difference be- between these NFT nightmares and Roblox is you need 10 grand to buy into an NFT nightmare. You need money already in this ecosystem to buy into it. And so it's at there's a point where it becomes just it's these ecosystems feeding off of each other and then people coming in from the outskirts to populate their worlds, which is what this guy's talking about in this article. But with something like Roblox, it's just what all the kids play. The thing is, I think, why this in one particular blew up so much and Roblox didn't is because this one had this person literally step in front of a big audience and say, hey, I think it's a really good idea to exploit people through our game mm-hmm. yay that's 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 why people like because there is no way shape or form that you can phrase this to make it sound nice or anything like that yeah everything right? about this is gross yes exactly and it's like really obvious that's why it's so um widely talked about i think roblox the type thing like it's the same problem and it's as equally as bad. And but they uh, abstract it in not... a way that makes it seem acceptable? Is that what you're saying? They abstract it in a way that people don't notice, which is why it doesn't oh. blow up. Right? So it's 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 equally as bad. It's just I think people are not aware. Mostly. Which is why it's not blowing up. Which is a shame. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that doesn't like there is no shape or form like where you can like one is not worse than the other. They're both bad and should be stopped. I think that we don't need to argue about whether or not like one of them is worse than the other or this one is okay, so this one should also be okay. It's like yeah. <laughs> Point me out stations. Yeah, I was thinking about um for Roblox, there have been various videos being created about the controversy of um, of the game, if you want to call it that, of the platform. And it didn't exactly blow up, but it, they were still pretty popular. So people are becoming aware at the moment um, of what's going on on the platform, especially, like you said, it, it impacts like small children who are hiring other small children to like create their games and stuff. Um, I can't remember what the videos were called, but I'm sure if 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 you go on I, YouTube and then you might be referring to the people make games. Yes, that series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They did two, and then they got attacked by Roblox. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of things that um, 
uh, I, I don't like. Uh, China is buying more things. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, so, so um, this is the weirdest headline I've ever seen for an article. Uh, because it dances around everything and doesn't actually explain anything, but also I I know what it means, which is Ubisoft strengthens its core shareholdings via an expansion of the concert around the group's founders to to the benefit of its long-term sustainability and development. That's a headline. Uh, So this um, article by uh, Global Newswire um, talks about uh, Tencent acquiring a larger portion of uh the gilman brothers limited which is ubisoft's government governance group um essentially buying a bigger portion of ubisoft they already owned a chunk of it but this is them buying into ubisoft more i can answer why the headline's so weird okay uh the website used and the one we'll be linking in the um in the the pod as well globe newswire is just a uh press release distribution Uh this article was literally written by lawyers Uh you know so so yeah dancing around that doesn't really surprise me especially in the wake of them knowing how people tend to react to um to all of that and yeah it is just i mean i can read that without even understanding it i already know it's yeah it's bad news and they don't want people to know it (laughs) yep Uh, but yeah it's it's it, it it bogs down in numbers and it bogs down in all of that just to basically say that what what is it i tencent acquires a 49.9 economic state with five percent voting voting rights in um gulmot brothers limited and i'm not sure what are they who own that's the, um literally the 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 found or the company that manages ubisoft yeah so basically they own as much as ubisoft as they can without actually owning it um you know they own just under half the board Uh and um yeah but like the very specifications here of you know it remains exclusively patrolled controlled by the um Gulmot family, Tencent will not be represented on its board of directors and will not obtain any consent or veto rights over the business. You know that's just because people tend to get very, very antsy about um, Chinese censorship in games and movies. You know, I don't think that's something controversial to say, I hope. Um, You know, it's quite a known factor that it does happen. Um, and, And yeah, it's usually one of the biggest things that come up when people talk about this is um oh yeah this means that all the games are going to be censored and stuff and i think they're trying to be very clear of oh no this doesn't mean that but whether or not it actually does or not we won't know for some time i imagine i mean they already censor history enough as is considering there's little fancy leafs over uh everybody uh, over all of the statues in you know ancient Greece already. It's like I'm pretty sure those didn't have leaves. Nope, There's not. just massive yeah. dicks everywhere generally. Well, really tiny ones actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean the statues I... are massive, but Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll accept that. Proportionally, you know, that... yes, they are rather small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't think we need to worry about censorship too much. I'm more just 
I just I don't I don't yeah. play Ubisoft's games really outside of Trackmania. So I when it comes to like I, I'm not super worried about Trackmania getting censored, but when when it comes to Tencent's control over the industry at large, it you know it worries me a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah and the yeah, same thing is with Embracer Group as well, which owns you know an everything equally, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like an equally <laughs> large share. We are we are sort of hitting almost end game for 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 games in general. They're either an indie studio no one's ever heard of, or they're three layers deep into either being Ten Cent, Microsoft, or um, Embracer, Embracer Group. At this point, yeah. You know, yep, absolutely. Or Sony. In, in, yeah, Sony's Sony's still going strong, aren't they? Yeah. The thing is, we won't we won't really feel the fallout of all of this until like five years from now, because that's when all the games that are like, you know, concepts now, that's when they will be coming out, and like yeah. what type of games will come out, and you know how many more games will be games as a service, and all that sort of stuff. Like, we will see that in five years from now. Exactly. exactly. And it's going to okay. be, yeah, yeah. And it's going to, like, I don't know. It's, it has me apprehensive as well because, like, yeah, like, everything that we have now, like, it doesn't really have, like, the, the big influence. Like, the influence wasn't either as big or didn't even exist yet with all the games that we have now. That's, like, the games that are coming out in the future. Right? And I don't know. It's, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, am... it's sort of like wondering how we're going to wind up with games that are very similar to to movies in general nowadays, which is basically the same concept rehashed a hundred times. Mm, not to be like uh, that guy, but isn't that kind of what the AAA space largely is? Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I mean, look releases at releases out of Ubisoft already. Look at the. I mean, they're they're not yeah. like just carbon copies of marvel films because films and games are different mediums but like the repetition of me mechanics and you know for every for every game that is cool interesting and different from the rest um you have you know five games where you i mean the last generation it was a lot of following the soldier in front of you so that they can breach the door so that you can blow up the next room and now it's a lot of you know um games that well. feel a lot like far cry and, no, absolutely. And look, at, look at PUBG. You know, PUBG introduced to a much broader aspect the battle royale, and suddenly every AAA game had a battle royale mode. You know, I think we're always going to see that follow the leader style thing, where AAA games are basically taking what indie games um, do and then just pushing it further and milking it dry. So, I mean, I remember how many voxel games there were after Minecraft got big. Mm, yeah, so or what, so what you're suggesting is that stuff. soon we'll have a bunch of games where we can all be a, a, a person and then you jump into a car and then, you're, going <laughs> and then you're flying on a wingsuit. What's wrong with that? Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I could handle that for a bit. That's I'm, like I'm a just waiting. I'm trend. just waiting for just waiting for that in battle royale mode you know <laughs> yeah i think i think like like just to like bring it to a close in a way like all of these acquisitions really kind of have me worried for creativity because it doesn't really a lot of this is you know kind of makes it boil down to like we're making games not to make 
I mean, obviously people make games to make money, yes, but they're also making games to, you know, express their sort of creativity and come up with something new and exciting and that sort of stuff. And I feel like this is going to really severely impact that because they're going to be like, well, we're not going to do anything new. We're not going to try anything, you know, like, you know, we're not, there's not going to be any innovation or creativity because, hey, we know this formula works, so we're just going to make another one of these and print money. I mean, there, as, as you said, there is already like, you know, the Ubisoft formula. You've got your tower, you have the everything that you need to collect and all of that sort of stuff. Like that already, like, you know, we're starting to see that now and it's going to be probably even worse in five years from now. The, the, uh, the counterpoint to that that I want to just say is there's always going to be indie games. Yes. There's always going the, the, to be passion projects. Yes. There's always yes, going to absolutely. be dog dating simulators. Um, yeah, so I should have said this This is going to be, <laughs> this is exclusively, I am, applying, uh, I am applying that to the AAA space, not the indie space. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost like we will have, like, you know how you've got genres, like, it's a roguelike, it's a strategy simulation. You'll be like, it's an Ubisoft-like, it's a, <laughs> it's a Blizzard-like. <laughs> um, and then just go from there. But Meow, I think you were going to mm. say something? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's because... Um, I'm part of Embracer, basically, but I, I'm not actually that concerned about creativity because, like you said, indie studios are always going to be there, and people yeah. also move away from AAA. Like they do take their creativity, like say you know tons of people working at at Ubisoft or Ubisoft. Um, <laughs> they they then I don't know create their own indie studio or something, and then they they create a completely different game i'm personally not concerned but like take my opinion with a grain of salt i'm just like one one tiny cog in the in the embracer machine so i'm looking i think i i want to agree with you it's i see this industry working in cycles and we've seen this cycle happen before it happened in the early 2000s when ea games and activision kind of bought everything it and what worries me isn't the creativity. What worries me is what happened previously in history repeating itself. Big company buy all the little guys. Little guys make them money for a bit. Little guys stop making money for a bit. Big guy gets hand in too far. Little guy stops making money at all because big guys just telling them exactly what to do and they can't create like they used to. All the creative ideas, heads leave they get replaced with suits from big company. Small company stops making money entirely. Big company shuts small company down. Big company buy a new small company. I just That's want to say, what uh, me. rip East, uh, Westwood Studios. Rip Bullfrog. Best I mean, you know, now now we have the <laughs> yeah. two point studios, right? Which is Bullfrog largely. Um, yeah, and, and and I think there will Peter Molyneux is that. now making NFT games. So you know that there's that, um, but I. And like, it all comes full worried. circle. <laughs> yeah. I'm just worried about that cycle happening again because the industry is a lot bigger now. And the studios that are getting purchased are a lot bigger. You know, Bullfrog was a small studio and Westwood was a small studio. We think about those studios fondly, but the the scale and number of jobs that would vanish if studios go that route again is significantly higher. 
So that's what concerns me. Um, I'm not as concerned with Embracer purely because of the the people at the head of Embracer just to me kind of strike and I've said I've said this before on other episodes of this podcast they kind of strike me as uh, a person who ended up with a lot of money who's collecting things who just happens to like something you know it's like uh, when when you have a, a rich kid who ends up who really likes comics who goes and buys all the comic books that's it kind of seems like you have somebody with a lot of money who really likes video games so they're buying all the game studios Tencent worries me in the EA games buying things to make all of the money and then control it kind of fashion. Mm. Yeah, but you're forgetting that yep. the games industry is still out there. I mean, we mentioned this before, but it's still out there to make money. Like, yeah, we all love games, but at the end of the day, we're still, it, it's still a job. Like, we're still making money out of it. So Absolutely. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that concerned about Tencent. To be fair, um, well, what I worry about is what happens when League of Legends stops making money. They milk that community for more, and then they milk uh, that community for more. No, 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 no. The borders around League of Legends need to stay. The salt needs to stay in League of Legends. It cannot be released onto the other games. Well, all right. <laughs> I'll start buying skins just to keep that game afloat and keep people playing that and not other games. We can't let them out. <laughs> I mean, then they go and they make Valorant, right? Is what they actually do. But Yeah, yeah. But no, look, I, I, I see both sides. I, I understand the fear of once you have, you know, too few companies right at the top, then you've got studios under the same company competing against each other for the same, you know, thing. Um, and so there is potential there, but I also don't think it will be the death of creativity within, within games. There's, there's always like, going to be those games. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm just remembering of a, a, a 10 cent technically suing 10 cent with, uh, Epic suing, uh, or I think it was uh, PUBG suing Epic over battle royale stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at my last play, most recently played games. I am going back to the start of this year, and I still haven't found a game that is a AAA game. You know, on Steam because I don't play AAA games, and I know a lot of people likely don't as well. Um, Elder Scrolls Online counts as a AAA game. That was back in um, back in April, so that might count. Minecraft's uh, a AAA game, to a degree. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose. Okay, so it was today <laughs> then. But apart from Minecraft, <laughs> no, it's. I'm uh, cheating I think with 2020. I don't know if I'd call yeah, Minecraft a AAA like, game, but uh, Halo Infinite in 2021. You know, that's probably the last actual AAA game that I can see from my list. And yeah, I I think that the tightening of the the groups might lead to some sort of cannibalizing of, of stuff but the cycle repeats and there will always be games to play and stories to tell so um speaking of cycling's cycles repeating themselves and history repeating itself uh ninja's back again oh 
Oh god. No. So so <sighs> before before I dig into this one a little bit, I, I just want to say he put out that like Twitter video where he says, "I'm streaming everywhere." Did, did anybody else think that he was actually streaming the game everywhere that uh, Build a Rocket Boy is working on? No. No. <laughs> Nobody else thought that everywhere game because like that was the the uh, okay. Well, I mean, it was <laughs> like, the first thing shown at opening night live. I mean, I guess it's their fault for naming that game everywhere. Anyway, um, so I'm just going to uh, bookend this story by saying uh, don't use mental health uh, as a reason and way to promote your shift in the platforms that you're streaming on that's just kind of yeah. gross yeah it's, it, God, it's kind of funny pisses right? me off so much it's kind of funny though because the exact same day he did that meltdown pokimane did a youtube video and she talked about how she'd taken a break from twitch and she found herself living life more she would take a picture of something and put it to instagram or she would record a little tiktok video and she was enjoying that much more and she wanted to deprioritize streaming because she wanted to be out living life and, and being out there and just sharing that as opposed to sitting in a room streaming for X amount of hours. And it was this absolute great frank discussion where she was, yeah, it's been affecting my mental health and in the, you know, and that she's going to deprioritize Twitch. She's going to work on other platforms and all of this. And that's great. And then you've got Ninja rage baiting and fake quitting and all of this about, you know, oh, it's over all of this. And then, oh, I'm back and I'm streaming everywhere. And it's just so funny that two of the, like, basically the biggest female Twitch streamer and the biggest male Twitch streamer both basically deprioritized Twitch to focus on other platforms. One of them did it so well. And the other one did it so bad. And it's just, it's just so funny. Like just looking at that juxtaposition there. Has anyone? Yeah, I can appreciate that humor. Sorry. Yes. I was just wondering, has anyone actually seen the, the rage quit thing? Cause I haven't. I went back and watched it mm -hmm. at the time. It was, it wasn't even a rage quit. Like, yeah, so it, it, it was fake. I, I, it I was just so fake. I was, I would like to proudly admit that I called this, um, <laughs> when he did it because essentially what it what it kind of boils down to is i think calling it rage quitting is maybe being a bit generous it was just kind of he got towards the end of his stream as he normally would and he just says you know i i really just i, I need a break and he just kind of like alt f the game which he doesn't generally do he closed out the game entirely and then just kind of ended suddenly it was like i mean i do that on days when i'm not feeling great in a yeah, kind of a similar is... fashion he then changed his Twitter, yeah, and then, Twitter and then, yeah, uh, details shortly after, and then he says, "He says I'll be back. I don't know when I'll be back, uh, or where, or where." Mm. Um, and then his Twitter account disappeared. Um, like he made his account private briefly and changed his account to this account can't be found on Twitter. Uh, shortly after his Twitch partnership disappeared, which I guess he went and canceled his partner agreement so that he could multi-stream. Um, and then just pops back up the next day and just says, yo, I'm multi-streaming. But I, I think the actual cautionary tale here is kind of two parts. The, the, the first thing is do not use mental health as a reason to promote or a way to promote your 
uh, announcement for streaming on multiple platforms. Uh, even other creators that are at a similar tier of streamer were like commenting in somewhat concern um, to that tweet that he put out where he said, I don't know where I'll be back or, or when I'll be back or where. I just need a break. So like he... It wasn't, it wasn't such bad taste because we have had big streamers take their own lives. Yes. Right? Wreckful. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it it's just oh, felt like that to a degree. So but angry. When and, and and then the second thing is don't take like this is just kind of like a, an echo out to other streamers out here. Don't take Ninja saying he's gonna go stream on all platforms as a reason to do that. Because Oh god, no, take take his take his advice. Oh god. Do no. not god, god, do no. that. Because this is something that people have I've seen people try this on and off for years that I'm just going to stream on every platform thing unless you are absolutely ginormous that is the best way to bankrupt yourself overnight and kill your entire audience <laughs> yeah um, if you if you're so big that you don't need to interact with your chat then do it go ahead even then you have to be so big that your chat doesn't realize that you're live it, yeah. it's not yeah. even and can you interact with your chat like ninja could record a stream the day before and just run the vod and people wouldn't notice yeah yeah um yeah. and just from another thing like we we did i'm not sure if this was talked about because i wasn't on the podcast um whether or not the twitch removing the uh, exclusivity agreement in terms of instagram reels and tiktok I mean, it was vaguely um, discussed, but like, it's it yeah. really doesn't change so, anything. Yeah, no, that's 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 one thing that that can work if on certain niches. But I, I see a lot of people that worry about discoverability in all levels on Twitch, and then they think, oh, if I stream everywhere on YouTube, on Facebook, on on all of this, then well, I'm way more discoverable. But the problem is, is you're not necessarily able to compound or monetize that. So, um, yeah, no, it does become a, you know. People also need to remember that Ninja got $30 million from Microsoft to stream on Mixer. And that that's just yeah. a lump sum payment that they ended up paying him out outright when the platform shut down. So, like, he can eat the cost of losing his Twitch sub revenue from killing yeah, his Twitch care. partnership. Like, also, also something, also something to note is if you're a smaller streamer than Ninja moving people to a different support platform say for example be it like a patreon or a kofi or whatever is extremely difficult as soon as somebody needs to go to a different website to give you money 95 percent of the people won't do it oh like, let's talk click-through rates <laughs> oh Please. yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like that is really difficult to do and that's the only option that you have if you're multi-stream they can give you direct tips or they go to an external site on certain sites like on on youtube you can still be monetized and get members and that sort of stuff but right on twitch yeah. if you multi-stream you cannot make any money directly on twitch that's just it's, gone yeah it's also it's also important to say as well that I mean, I'm sure everyone here understands and everyone here knows is Twitch is so much more for all of the, the flack it gets. It is so much more geared towards being a monetized community. Mm, um, absolutely. You know, YouTube has the super, super chat. It has the joinability, but that is so much less 
are common than Twitch. It is so normal for people to subscribe to people on Twitch than it is for people to join Kofi, join Patreon, send super chat messages and all of that anywhere else. And that is that is something important to remember too. I mean, like I usually sit at around 300 mm -hmm. subscribers on Twitch and I have a YouTube channel that gets, uh, you know, like 10 times the views every month and I've got six YouTube members. Yep. So exactly it's hard it's hard to convince like it's easier to get people from youtube to go to patreon than to make them use the membership system so i think the difficult. lesson <laughs> the lesson of this is doesn't matter what it is in life don't do what ninja does yeah uh, yeah and yeah i mean his master class is a perfectly good like actually, example of that if, yeah, if you oh if God. you want to find some funny clips go look up um ninja's master class because i i genuinely believe that like he got offered that or like approached them for that and then just like scammed them because of how bad it is. Like he says that you should go to your lurkers and call out every single person as an example. Oh, <laughs> yeah, as so a lurker, bad. I would hate them. It's like, it's like the worst, I don't worst even have, advice ever. I don't even have names showing follows just so I can allow the lurkers to quietly lurk. I don't even have a notification. <laughs> <laughs> and when I when I mention that, actually, it's it's kind of funny when I state that I don't have a follow notification, I get like half a dozen follows almost instantly, because yeah, a lot of people don't want it. Yeah, a lot of people don't actually want to be called out. I I see people that will follow, and I'll say thank you, and they'll never talk in chat. And yeah. you know what? Best 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 relationship I've had with chat. Um, they don't talk know, to me. It's wonderful. Yeah, no one no one for me to disappoint. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um spe speaking of me being disappointed is I'm disappointed in my Minecraft gameplay because somebody built a computer to play Minecraft in Minecraft. Oh my god. That's mm. that's the last article that we have here. Uh the Redstone PC Chungus 2. Um I, I the original one I think just played videos. Um yeah, but uh they, Redstone gaming has gotten so advanced that you can play a uh very very simple version of minecraft in minecraft and it, it i feel looks... so inadequate i feel so inadequate <laughs> this this reminds so... me of when a friend of mine built a working calculator in roller coaster tycoon yeah mm, i've seen that yeah so i have a community server that's a tight-knit little group and i go into that and so my biggest awesome automation is i have a chest with a hopper that goes into a smelter, that goes into another hopper, that goes into a chest. So I put ore at the top and I get the bars at the bottom. Wow. That's it. And they're doing train stations, automatic farms, all of this. And I'm just wowed by that. And this is, I see this and it's just, it's instantly throw my arms up in the air and say, I get fucked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so far beyond my talent that I don't even feel... Um, like I'm not achieving much in the game. Yeah. Because, mm. like, you look at it, it looks like they built. Like, the, the world they built, it looks like they actually built a computer out of voxels. Um, yep. and, and They did. Okay, so, they, they did, but I mean, it looks like there's an actual PCB. It looks like there is, you know, the circuitry running. Because, quite simply, 
they had to they had to set up all of these things basically if you have a um assemb- the ability to do assembly code which is you know and or zor zand i think it's those four the logic gates that's it you can do anything because you can talk to it in assembly code but just the sheer scale of it is just ridiculous to the point that you're like all right, if you really want to impress me, go do it in survival hard mode and then I'll be impressed because, you know, geez, you probably did that in creative. I've mined my own blocks. <laughs> I, you, you need to strip mine a lot to get enough redstone to make that, but, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's, 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 that's Arch is like, you know, you really want to impress me? Do it in yeah, survival yeah. mode, hardcore survival. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> you probably didn't even have creepers on that map. Could you imagine it with creepers, though? You're, like, running around, you're playing the game, and suddenly oh it flickers God. off, and you're like, a creeper's blowing up somewhere. It's like trying to install <laughs> Linux in the 90s. But I, I think with that kind of fun one out of the way, this has been a very long episode, and I think it's time for us to kind of wind down a little bit. So I'm going to do this... Uh, well, say it's time for people to uh, shout themselves out. So, FG, who are you, and where can people find your work? Yeah, I'm FG. Hello, uh, FG Squared. Basically everywhere: Twitch, YouTube, everywhere on the internet, except on Twitter. I am on Twitter too, but there is a sneaky underscore between the FG and the Squared, and I'll be back live again on Monday, 9 a.m. BST. And I'm going to throw this next to Meow Stations. Like, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I work in social media, so I am everywhere. <laughs> uh, at Meow Stations, <laughs> basically, you know, Twitter, Instagram. I don't stream, but uh, I, I still have a Twitch account. So, well, And do what about days. a shout out for your game as well? Uh, yeah, sure. So we're a Stunfest uh, World Tour. You can find it on... Twitter at Stuntfest and then on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Stuntfest Official, and then on TikTok as well, just Stuntfest. And I think that there's a Steam page people can go wishlist if they want. Yes, definitely. Go wishlist, and we're also in the Discord. Uh, occasionally we'll have playtests um, in there. It's just discord.gg slash Stuntfest. Awesome. And Arch Play Stuff, who are you and where can people find your work? Well, I wonder who I am sometimes, but um, you can find me as at Arch Play Stuff anywhere that good archers are found. So Twitter, Instagram, um, what's Twitch? Yeah, the internet. Twitch yeah. as well. And yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blind. You can find me at Blind IRL on most platforms, and I actually am using Twitter again. I feel like I've been saying for a while now. Although you'll generally just get pictures of my garden because I don't like the way Twitter works and it scares me. Um, but uh, if you like this podcast, you want to find more episodes of this fo- podcast, you can find that at halcyonfrequency.com. I just want to say a real quick thanks to Peter Pohl and Paul Mile for the lovely intro and outro musics. And uh, if you can't find this podcast in places where organic har- po- podcasts are harvested, then please send me a DM and I will make it show up on the platform of your choice. That being said, until next Sunday, this has been Halcyon Frequency. Don't change that dial. Signing off. <laughs>